Our second scripture lesson this morning comes from the gospel according to Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Hear now the word of the Lord. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah, For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out. And there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This too is the word of God for the people of God. I want you guys to take a quick look at the cover art that we have for this week's bulletin, this image of the Magi. I really like this week's bulletin art. I think it's bright and colorful. I think it evokes the words of the prophet Isaiah that Linda read and the brightness of Epiphany, um, the celebration of the visit of the Magi. And the artist, Lauren Wright Pittman, is local to Atlanta. She's an awesomely talented artist that does a lot of uh, sacred art. And I like this portrayal of of the three kings. And I also liked the portrayal that we got during our processional hymn, but, I can't say for sure that this or our fine soloists are particularly accurate. One of the things that I found most enjoyable and interesting during this Advent and Christmas season is the contrast between what we find in scripture and the stories that have sort of filled in over the couple thousand years since that scripture was written. As I prepared for sermons and Sunday school classes and youth group lessons, I found time and time again examples of the way that myths and extra biblical stories had worked its way into our popular conception of our pretty standard characters, John the Baptist, Mary, especially Mary, and of course, our dear Magi. New Testament scholar Amy Jill Levine writes, When we do not have the details and we want to know more, we tell stories. Good stories always give rise to more stories. We have very few details about the travelers from the East who come looking for a new king. 
And so we use stories. We weave myth and tradition into what we know, into what scripture tells us, which is honestly very little when it comes to the Magi. I mean, I can't even really say guys or men. We don't know if it was all men or how many of them there were or if they were actually all that wise. We'll get into that in a minute. The idea that they were kings, finely dressed and wealthy, comes in part from the gifts that they bring to the Holy Family for sure, but also because as church patronage uh, grew more common and developed, wealthy donors would uh, arrange to have themselves and their family members depicted in paintings and stained glass as magi who had come to worship the Christ child. And so obviously they were dressed to impress, but I digress. The point of course, is not the specific and the minute details of who these people are. We could spend the whole service dissecting the historical accuracy of the visit of the Magi or speculate about the scientific accuracy of the star or was it a comet? When did it happen? Did it actually happen? How did it stop over a house with that kind of accuracy? But I'm not really sure that serves us very well. I'm happy to get it into it some other time buy me a cup of coffee or a beer and we'll just go nuts talking about it. The thing that matters most about the visit of the Magi is what it means for the people who are involved, what it means for Herod, what it means for the people of Israel, for the Magi, and for the rest of us. Because the arrival of these foreign folks from the East speaks to the universality of the rule of and the good news of this newborn king. So let's start with Herod and the Magi. So for people who are often referred to as wise, these Magi didn't make like the best decisions on their journey following the star. They find themselves in Jerusalem, which makes sense. They're looking for the king of the Jews, so heading to the center of power is the logical first step. But you know, addressing the current king Looking for the king that's going to overthrow him is maybe not the best choice. And there is so much said in that address that they give to Herod, just in the second verse of Matthew uh, 2. As they address Herod, they say, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. So right off the bat, Matthew's gospel is setting Herod's kingship at odds with Jesus's, it immediately alerts readers to a choice between the rule of Herod, who is propped up by Roman authority, violence, and politics, and that of Jesus, who has been set up, thanks to the previous chapter's genealogy, to continue the line of King David. Immediately, the Magi's words call Herod's rule and authority into question. By asking to see the new king of the Jews, they are, unknowingly or not, denying Herod's claim to the throne. Not a super wise move, just saying. It's no wonder, then, that Herod, along with all of Jerusalem, was frightened. And that word, frightened, it's the same word used when the disciples see Jesus walking on water The same word when Zechariah is told by the angels that Elizabeth will conceive. And the same word when Jesus is praying in the garden of Gethsemane for the cup to pass from him. 
So Herod is not like a little bit anxious. He is deeply, deeply troubled. Pushed to his limit, Herod does not react well. Um, Which if you were here last week for Amanda's remarkable sermon, you know. Herod will take the words of the Magi and lash out violently against the innocent children of the region. And the text tells us that all of Jerusalem is frightened along with Herod. And it's possible that it's not the Magi's words that frightened them, but rather the anticipated reaction of Herod, which of course would be justified. Herod is someone bent on maintaining power. So the response to the threat of the Magi is to be feared. But perhaps it's also because they feel the huge shift coming with the arrival of the Magi. If Herod is not the king, if there is a new king whose birth constitutes a visit from foreigners, if this new king isn't to be found in Jerusalem, but rather in Bethlehem, something big is happening. The arrival of the Magi in Matthew marks the beginning of a huge power shift and starts a pattern in this gospel of pretty much all earthly authorities being set in opposition to the kingdom of heaven being brought forth by Jesus. Jesus' birth is good news for all who participate in God's radically inclusive love and grace, but it is not necessarily good news for those who desire power over and against others because that love and grace call out all of those sinful places and it turns the world on its head. Of course, Herod is afraid. The Magi, whether they meant to or not, and I'm fairly certain they did not mean to, have set something big into motion. They have set themselves down a new path that will not only change their lives, but also impact the region and have cosmic repercussions. Before they've even come into contact with the baby Jesus, the Magi have had an experience that will set them on a totally new course, which is kind of the point of Epiphany, isn't it? It is a recognition of the divine come to earth and the way in which the world is changed by that presence. In classical Greek, Epiphany is used to talk about the appearance of dawn, the appearance of an enemy in war, but especially of a manifestation of a deity to worshipers. These travelers from the east meet the manifestation, the incarnation of God in that house in Bethlehem, offering Jesus these extravagant gifts as a way of paying homage. And they experience overwhelming joy and continue in their life-altering experience. Then after the gold and frankincense and myrrh, it is time for them to return home. Herod had asked them to come back through Jerusalem so that they could report back to him, tell him where exactly to find this newborn king of the Jews. But like Jesus's earthly father, Joseph, these foreigners receive a warning in a dream, a warning not to return to Herod. So they don't. They leave for their country by a different road. And I have to believe that this is more than practical directional commentary that the author of Matthew is giving us. It isn't just that they travel a different road, it is that they themselves are different. Starting from the moment they saw the star and decided to follow it, the magi from the east were changing. 
culminating in standing in the literal presence of God, the Magi go home different than how they came. The word for road in verse 12 in Greek is hadas. It can be translated as root or way. You'll also uh, find the same word in Greek in the gospel's translation of Isaiah recited by John the Baptist. Prepare the hadas of the Lord and make his path straight. Or in the gospel according to John, chapter 14, Jesus calls himself the hadas, the truth, and the life. And in the book of Acts, the first followers of Jesus, the first church, they aren't called Christians. In fact, they are called those who belonged to the way or followers of the way, followers of the hadas. The Magi, warned through divine intervention, travel back to their homes on a different hadas. They are following a different way. And the Magi, they are sort of stand-ins for the rest of the world. Their visit and homage indicates the universal rule of this new child, yielding of all ancient wisdom to, to him. God is incarnate for everyone. And the Magi, like the shepherds in Luke's gospel, become the first evangelists. They leave Bethlehem full of joy and good news changed. They may not have the full story, but they have enough to be on their way, on their hadas. And here we are, 11 days on from Christmas. We anticipated, we waited, and Jesus was born, so we celebrated. How have we changed? The world, I'll admit, looks pretty similar to how it did on December 25th. I feel the same, <clears throat> maybe a little bit more congested than I was, but I did spend a week with a three-year-old who hasn't quite learned how to cover all of his coughs. But really, how have we been changed by the remarkable, miraculous good news of Christmas? Where is our epiphany? Perhaps this is a good time to look at the king that the Magi came looking for, one that did not need gold, who often chose the company of the poor and the sinful, one who did not believe in violence, who did not crave or desire power, but lifted up the meek and insisted on turning the other cheek, one who would die a criminal's death and be prepared for burial with a mixture of myrrh, only to be resurrected triumphantly, defeating the powers of sin and death. That is the king that the Magi's find. That is the king that we worship today. That is the Hadas, the way we are called to follow. How do our lives reflect that king? How do our practices as individuals and as a church align with that? If they don't, I think it's time that we start traveling down a different route. The start of a new year, of a new decade, seems like the perfect time to set our feet to a new path. We get a fresh start in the new year, right? So we have an opportunity to go down a different road. This, of course, is more than a New Year's resolution, much more than a plan to improve our habits and adopt new ones. This is about an epiphany, about an encounter with the divine that sends you out differently than how you came.
Here today, we come to the table to experience the presence of God in Jesus Christ. We are gathered in and then fed at the table and then sent out proclaiming the good news of the one who is both the way and the one who sets our feet to it. Thanks be to God. Amen.